0: Welcome to Polyweb, I'm your host Sara Landi Tortoli and my mission is to bring you the top entrepreneurs and builders across Web 2 and Web 3 to help you be successful at building and growing your company. Join us on this journey of building a better internet.
1: Why there are so many NFT products with no utility, with nothing behind it, with no business model. And you can use this technology for so many things. So we are leveraging Web3 to break taboos around sexuality and to create a society where people are welcomed, where they have a safe space to talk about sex topics, but also about health topics around women's bodies.
0: Vanessa Schaeffer is the founder of the Female Pleasure Society, a wellness brand dedicated to women's health and their pleasure. I found the story of Vanessa incredibly interesting because on one side she's selling physical products and on the other she's using NFTs as a way to manage and build her community and her brand and also to break the taboo around women's sexuality. So please enjoy this very interesting conversation with Vanessa Scheffer. Vanessa, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to be here.
0: Oh, I am so happy to have you. Believe it or not, you are the first woman on the show. <gasps> That has to change,
1: but I'm honored. <laughs> yeah,
0: I don't know. Somehow women in this space, in the Web3 space, are not that many. And it's difficult to, to get a hold of them, let's say. So I'm very happy to to finally have a, a female face on.
1: Yeah, we definitely need more women uh, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but especially in the Web3 space, that's true.
0: So Vanessa, you uh, are the female founder of a company called the Female Pleasure Society. We're going to talk uh, more about your company as the episode progress and talk about how are you using NFTs in the context of uh, managing your community. But first question that I want to ask, and I'm really curious about, uh, is why Female Pleasure Society? So why did you pick a niche that has to do with sexual pleasure, women's sexual pleasure, to be specific?
1: Yeah. So as you mentioned, Female Pleasure Society is a sexual wellness brand, and we have products for women, especially in the sexual pleasure and health sector. So therefore, we are leveraging Web3 to break taboos around sexuality, because there are many, many taboos, and to create a society where people are welcomed, where they have a safe space to talk about sex topics but also about health topics around women's bodies and to find education and content that is like right and real because in google everything is out there and half is not true so therefore we really create a sexual pleasure society for women to feel safe to to have content to have products and to build a brand with our community there are so few brands out there that are targeting women's sexual pleasure. And it's a huge market. Women suffer from libido loss like their whole life. And there are different phases in women's stage of life that they're suffering from libido loss, for example. And I discovered this years ago. And I was like, okay, wow, why don't we talk about it? And why are there no products, nothing out there that helps women? And why is it still a taboo topic when people are going to Mars, you know? Um, so that's why I chose to build a company that focuses on women's sexuality and create natural products for women to help them in their sexual life, but also to help them in their health life. That's why we created an intimate care line as well for, for people or for women to, to have better products which are natural produced in Germany and to create awareness around this topic and to help women feel empowered. And we have, we have sex all the time, but we don't like to talk about it. And why? It's, it's a nice topic, you
0: know? So Yeah, I wonder, why do you think it's 2023 and basically we have the freedom to do almost everything, to talk about everything, but still the topic of uh, female sexuality is such a taboo?
1: yeah I think it starts in education I remember when I had my sexuality course and we learned how to do a condom on a cucumber you know so I don't know I was also ashamed we had to write something in a secret room on a, on a letter what we want to ask the teacher and stuff and so it was not open it was not hey I have a question around my sexuality What what, 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 what should I do with my my first time on having sex and it's I think it's really education at home with your parents as well as in school. So it starts early. But I also believe that we are German. We are quite open. When I talk to United States people, they are more like ashamed to talk about this. I had also discussions with another NFT project to collaborate. And they were like, no, you're in the sexuality area. We don't want it to work with you because, yeah, you talk about sex and we have partners who doesn't like that. And I'm like, OK, so I think. There's a huge, huge shame around this topic and a huge taboo. And that's why no one, no one likes to talk about it.
0: Yeah. Alyssi, you you had some sort of uh, sexual education in school in (laughs) mine, Not even mentioned. Nothing, nothing at all. But I come from a very Catholic, I mean, I come from Italy. It's a very Catholic country. So even though we don't talk about sex, the image of woman, especially like on, on TV and in commercial, etc., is highly sexualized. So we have this taboo on one side of we don't talk about it or, or like the example that you gave with this project that you have approached that refuses to collaborate with you because... E- you know, you're, you have a certain niche that you're targeting. So on one side, we we have that. And on the other side, we have the complete opposite, which is the extreme sexualization of the female figure.
1: Yeah, but we, we also see that we have a lot of obstacles to take. Like marketing is really hard because talking about sexuality is like not possible on Facebook or Instagram. And so therefore, it's difficult. And I can't believe how difficult it was 10 years ago when Amoreli for example launched it must have been more difficult than ever and we are also not allowed to show female nipples you know male nipples is totally fine but female nipples are not like they have to be censored so those topics are or have to be addressed and that's what we want to do with Female Pleasure Society. So
0: how does it work on social media, for example, if you post something related to sexuality or you talk about it, you get shadow banned or something?
1: Yeah, we experienced that like nine months ago when our Twitter account was suspended, like randomly. I don't know why. I couldn't talk to anyone. I opened several tickets to get my Twitter account back. But I think it was because we posted a giveaway with vibrators on it. But that's just a guess. I don't know. Okay. And Twitter is actually more open than Instagram. And Instagram, you have to really be careful, especially also the writing text Sometimes I do like the E with the three, you know, so that's like not sex. Yeah. Because they have an AI behind it that reads their posts and and see where you have to be really careful. And I know a lot of startups who are operating in the sexuality business or sexual wellness business and they got Instagram banned like a lot. So it's really, really hard but that doesn't stop us. <laughs> and you have to start somewhere yeah. to find an equality because it's not porn, or we don't like have naked pictures. We are just talking about sexual wellness and sexual health, and I think this is really important because every human being now lives on social media. So therefore, that's where the education is happening right now.
0: Yeah, it's like it's something to be ashamed of and to hide. But sexualizing the image of women instead is totally fine. So we cannot talk objectively about sex, but but this we can do.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So yeah. It's fascinating. How how did the the idea of creating the, the female pleasure society came about? And maybe uh, you could tell us actually in specific what's the product, what does it do?
1: So the idea started one year ago. I actually or maybe a little bit before that because I actually founded my first startup three years ago. We were focusing on supplements for women who suffer from hormonal imbalances mm-hmm. and that was also due to my personal story because I stopped taking the pill and had that like a really a lot of suffering with acne and mood swings and, and that's when I started to take supplements and especially superfoods and vitamins and I didn't find anything that was like not that medical or that you have to be ashamed to take. So therefore, we created Carefuel. That's my first startup. And then we did a lot of research creating a new product and came across studies that focusing on women's sexuality and especially libido loss. And it's a huge topic. And a lot of people or a lot of women suffer from it, especially taking the pill or... With a cycle or after giving birth and stuff. So it's really, really a big topic. So, therefore, superfoods and vitamins can help. And that's when we created our natural pleasure elixir and did a funding round last year. And after we got funding, we sat down and discussed how we could leverage Web3 to create a new brand or a new kind of brand. And so, therefore, we have or are using NFTs as a way to get people access to our society. So it's like a digital membership access pass where you get the product, but not only product and early access and discounts, you also get voting rights. So we really want to make our community, give them power to make decisions about the society, about new products, about really important topics, because in the end, that's our customer and the customers should decide on the new products and, and where the company will go so we really want to kind of create a new brand the future of brands i would say yeah, i
0: will say this is kind of an interesting path that you've taken i think it's already difficult to launch a supplement line there are so many so many and yours however is quite unique because of the of the niche why adding these element of uh, hey let, let's throw in what three and let's create some nfts there so
1: we all three of us my co-founders and myself are believing in web3 and we think this is a kind of way how we can build better companies and the future of companies so therefore we call it decentralized brand building and um, so we use the nFTs and um, to empower our community or the nFT holders in the end and um, to build the female pleasure society in our case with us together. So as I said, they're not only getting five years product allowances and they also get early access, they get co- content, which are the only, like we create a, con- a token-gated, con- token-gated web shop and where the people can access with their NFT to get like content around sexuality, but also voting rights. And those voting rights will be on chain so that like there's no checking out for us if we don't like the, the outcome. So we really want to give our holders ownership which I believe is the best about the NFTs, ownership and transparency in terms of creating a pleasure society for our community. And that's what I really love about NFTs and how brands can really build something bigger than just another T2C brand. And in the end, we will definitely open our webshop to the public, like to everyone, not only NFT holders, but you can buy a digital access pass that's like the NFT and can get access to to another world of pleasure, I would say so. That's that's how we do it.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Now I have so many questions, and I really want to go with you behind the the scene. And if you're willing, we go a walkthrough of how you build everything, basically, your company, right? So where did you start? Like, did you start with the physical product? Because you mentioned that you already were in the supplement area. So did you start with that? Or did you start first with the NFT idea, and then you went about and create the supplement line, etc. So let's start with that.
1: So first of all, I started with the idea of helping women during their hormonal imbalances with superfoods. That's how I started when I had my hormonal imbalance, which I didn't know I had. But my roommate was a pharmacist and he was like, hey, Vanessa, maybe it's that. And I was reading a lot and I was like, "Okay, wow, this is it. What can I do? And he was like, hey, try a supplement. And I was like, no, that's something my grandma takes. (laughs) And he was like, no, 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 try it. It's really helpful. And it was. And that's when the idea of Carefuel, that, that was my first startup, came to to life, and, and then that was actually back then I was at the management consulting firm and I said, okay, this is it.
0: I have to quit my job and do this. So how did you arrive to that decision? Uh, I can quit my job and go full time into it.
1: Yeah, that was really tough, actually. On the other side, it wasn't tough because I was two years at the consulting firm and I was sure that I wanted to do something else because, yeah, management consulting is is management consulting. So I was like, okay, now it's the time to, to do something else. But I was also applying for other jobs. And then I had the idea with Carefuel. And I was like, okay, maybe this is it. This is the sign of the universe. Maybe I should do it. And I was like, okay, let's do it for a year and see how it goes. <laughs> and then I quit. And, and yeah, and then and started the idea of Carefuel. And I, I don't say that it, everything was like smoothly. It was like a roller coaster, like everything else. But in the end, I'm really, really happy. Otherwise, I wouldn't be sitting here. So there was first the idea. Then we found a lot of producer, which we wanted to produce our supplements with. But then we also had to leverage because everything was bootstrapped. So we, we developed the products. Then we go to, went to market. And then we had to do a funding round because in the end, it's like a really, really, really Really challenging business and you have to have a lot of money. So we did a funding round last year and that's when we had the idea for Female Pleasure Society. So it was a lot of pivoting in the end to go to be there where it is now. And I think we also pivot right now. (laughs) So I think this is how
0: businesses are built. There is one picture that I have in my mind is you quitting your job and starting these How did you start to pitch to manufacturing centers, for example, to produce the supplements? Because at the beginning, I imagine that like all manufacturers, they request uh, minimum quantities. So how do you convince them to industrialize the production of a small brand that is just starting out, catering to a specific niche and so forth?
1: Yeah, that was actually a really good question and a funny one, actually, because when we started, it was pills and capsules, and that was actually quite easy to find a producer in Germany who did our our natural products, and that was easy in in small packages. But then we decided to go for liquid because no one likes to swallow capsules, so therefore we developed a liquid form, which was also not easy because vitamins are normally powder and not every. Every vitamin can be in a liquid form. So that was really hard. And then to find a producer who can do a liquid supplement is the the worst. And then (laughs) I think Cornelius, my co-founder, had the idea to go to Poland because he read an article that in Poland, the supplement area is like really big. And I was like, no, I don't want to go to Poland. And he was like, let's let's see and tr- try to find out. And, and then it was really Googling. We Googled a lot of producer and went actually to, to Krakow to meet the new production company. And they were amazing. And that's when we decided to go with them because they did everything we could, especially in low quantity. Because otherwise... I wouldn't be sitting here. Yeah. So <laughs> that's that's how, how we do it. And now we have, with the funding, we can move to Germany. But I was a little bit sad because I really loved our relationship with the Polish company. But in the end, now we are, in, we are back in Germany and producing the supplements and well, here. And how
0: about <laughs> the formulation? So, because that's one of the key elements of your brand. It's producing natural supplements with uh, no artificial addictive or, or substances. So how do you formulate such products and who do you have to talk to, to, unless you're a chemist yourself, but even then you you need help, right? So who do you talk to to formulate this type of product? How do you come up with the formula?
1: So actually, I'm not a chemist, I, I studied psychology and management, so I read a lot and actually the idea of the recipe was my idea based on my readings, but then we have an awesome scientific advisor, she helped us a lot with all the recipes and she did the formula And then we went with the formula to our producer who has also like a lot of expertise in that field. Of course, it's a producer and they are sourcing the ingredients and doing like the the fine calculation of the recipe. So you have to have... I believe you have to have a good advisory board, which we do, luckily, and a good producer. Otherwise, it wouldn't it wouldn't be be that way. And now we are also doing an intimate care line, like intimate care cream, wash lotion, and a lubricant. It's all natural as well. And it's also because our producer is amazing in beauty care products. So that's, I think you have to have a good producer. Okay.
0: How do you, do you know that you found the right producer or that you have, the right advisory board.
1: You have to have a good advisory board in the end and you have to have good products in the end. And therefore we had a lot of testing the product by ourselves and sending it to friends and family. And then we said, okay, this is a good product. But in the end, it's like, it's a new product, you know, especially with the supplement, or natural pleasure elixir. It's something that isn't out there. There are some capsules and, and, and pills for libido loss, but something like this, isn't happening. So we are also in a patent process for our recipe but also doing like some small studies by ourselves with our community, with our customers to to see how how it went and how how many times you have to take it to find it. You know, it's it's a new product and therefore we really have to test it. But we are also doing sending it to a laboratory who looks at the recipe and see that everything is smoothly. So we really we are German, so therefore we check everything
0: like triple, <laughs> you know, which <laughs> is always comforting, especially when it comes to things that you have to. Enjoy. Just right so
1: that's always yes. great to hear
0: and at one point you know in this journey of manufacturing the products and you know going through different labs like between Poland and Germany did the web three let's do an NFT kind of came to mind that
1: actually came to mind one year ago, I think exactly one year ago, when we finished our funding round and found an amazing business angel. And we had the new product, our natural pleasure elixir. And we sat together in a room, I I still remember. And we were like, hey, I bought this NFT. I don't know, I don't remember which one. And everyone was like, oh, wow, okay, cool. Yeah, but there's no utility behind it. (laughs) And, And then we said, okay, wow, why is there like, Why there are so many NFT projects with no utility, with nothing behind it, with no business model. And you can use this technology for so many things and so amazing things. And we could use this technology. And then we brainstormed a lot and thought, okay, especially the sexuality topic. And the taboo topic is amazing for a society where we can use the NFTs to bring more value to our holders. But also build a new brand or a new kind of brand. So
0: that's actually how... How it went. How did you went from this intuition, let's use it, you know, for for our company to build our community, to actual execution? So, uh, for example, how many NFT did you decide to create? Who did you have to collaborate with for for the creation of the collection?
1: So when we started in April last year, it was already a little bit of a bull market, but it was... Also, not that worse than now. (laughs) So everything was really going well and we built a community and we partnered with a lot of NFT projects to do some Twitter spaces, for example. And it was was really good. And then the bear market (laughs) happened and we were like, okay, let's wait until we drop our NFTs because everyone was a little bit scared to buy NFTs. And we were like, okay, we are building a business anyway. So therefore, let's let's wait a little. And then we launched 500 NFTs in November together with Crypto.com. And to be honest, that was a little bad timing because one week before the whole world exploded with FTX scandal and stuff. I don't have to repeat it, I think. So therefore we did our drop with another crypto exchange, which was also not that good related to what happened the week before. So therefore it was really bad for us. We sold 100 NFTs in the end and decided to go broader because... We, as you said, we have a niche product, we have a niche target group in a niche market. So there are not many women in the web space, especially women who maybe want to talk about their sexuality or know that there is a problem or want to have like some some pleasure society, for example. And therefore, we pivoted again and said, okay, we are creating a brand, a decentralized brand with a digital access pass, which we will be selling on our web shop. But people won't see that it's an NFT. It will be an NFT in the back end. But in the front end, it's a digital access pass, like Starbucks does it with their membership card. And that's how we can broaden our target group to like everyone, basically, and can still use the technology because we really believe in it, because ownership is so important, especially in, in, brand, in new brands, new kind of ways. And we can not only leverage that for voting rights, but we can also have our community sell products, for example, or... Yeah, use the contribute to earn topic, which is really important, and we can do a lot of things like that. So that's how how we how we want to pursue now to really speak to as many people as possible to sell to go go out there to have many as people possible to buy our product, but also have like the the membership token.
0: How would that work? How would Will the access pass uh, be be available for potential users, for potential buyers, without them realizing? Oh, it's an NFT. So without maybe having to download um, a Metamask wallet, I don't know which which chain are you using to for for minting the NFT.
1: Right now it's Ethereum. So right now you can buy it on secondary because we have already minted. But this is like the OG Genesis Pass where the people have to know that it's a wallet. But currently we are talking to amazing companies who ca- who set up like such solutions that people don't have to create a, a MetaMask <laughs> or don't have to have a wallet, you know. And that they can still buy in digital access pass and it's an NFT, but it's like in our In our area and I think this is how how companies are building or how we should use the technology because I don't know what's behind my email protocol Mm -hmm. or behind my phone you know and I don't say oh now I go to web (laughs) two, you know so that's that's how we want to want to build the the female pleasure
0: society so if I am a, a holder of the digital pass or DOG digital pass how do we build a brand together?
1: So we have to divide between OG Genesis NFTs Mm -hmm. and Digital Access Pass. So the OG Genesis NFTs, which were, were minted in November, have a... Because they are the first believers, they have like a different utility. They get five years product allowances, early discounts, early access and voting rights. And as well as a ownership participation, a success participation of our company, which we will set up soon. And if you buy the Digital Access Pass in the future on our website... You get also access to all those things, but only like one product and not five years product allowances. But you also get access to our, I call it now, I have to find a different word, but I call it now Forum. <laughs> so it's like a society page where you can enter with your NFT or with your digital access path. And then you find... A whole new world it's like content for example blog posts or we have a sexual advisor Paula she does like YouTube lives and she explains to- different topics and this is all you get with your NFT you only get it with the NFT like the access to those recordings or you can chat some with community members because now we use discord but we really want to move away from that because I remember when I entered discord it was like where should i go what should i do (laughs) so that's why we really want to work on on something this is all included in our pleasure society so yeah so you have really access to this this world especially to the voting rights
0: speaking of power of community and how do you intend to leverage the community to build a company with you which type of decision will the community be voting on
1: so we already did that, actually. The community decided on the name of our product. Like, but before it was, well, I don't know, I, I, can't, I don't remember. It was like pleasure supplement or something. And now it's like natural pleasure elixir. And that was like the vote from the community, um, they also voted for the packaging, the design design of the label, and they will voted, for example, for a charity, which we will support. And in the future, we really want to do this, like, again, you know, with new products, for example, or new topics, which we will want to, which the community want to hear, you know, where we talk about with Paula. And I think this can be, like, really broad And something that I don't have to decide, you know, I want my customers, my community to decide those topics because the products are for them. And therefore, I really like that. And especially the transparency aspect, because you can say, yeah, here are three things and please vote. But in the end, it can be our decision. But if it's on chain, we
0: Cannot check out for for other startups that maybe are considering uh, leveraging a community to build together. What are the tools uh, and the best practices uh, that that you could advise?
1: Right now, we are doing it on Discord, (laughs) so that's not like that technical. (laughs) But we are discussing it with different solutions right now, a solutions provider, how we can really do it on chain. But we are like in discussions with them right now because we really want to include this in our forum on our website as well so that we have everything in one place because this should be really easy for the customer or the community member so that they don't have to have like different tools and I have to be on Discord and Telegram and Twitter and Instagram and maybe also on their website you know everything should be in one place.
0: What would be your advice for companies uh, that are looking into Web3 and uh, NFTs as a way to build a community, to manage a community. What are your lessons learned so far in this journey?
1: So I would say 12 to 18 months ago, it was really easy to build a community if you had a mass product or if you had an idea that spoke to many people and if you had like an NFT project idea which like for example a beer product you know you have, you have a beer uh, 80% of the people in the rep are men and everyone likes beer so this would go well and um, for us we learned that we are in a niche and in, the, in a niche market and therefore it was really hard to build a community from the ground that's why I, I would also s- always suggest right now it's better to have a running business and use the technology for something that solves a problem and not the other way around. Because I saw a lot of NFT projects fail because there was nothing behind it. And this is not the time for a hype or a speculation object or something because we were in the bear market. And that's why I always suggest build something build a business and then use the NFT technology to solve something, to solve a problem, and then go out there. Otherwise, or if you have like a digital art piece or something, then an NFT would make sense. But in our case, this is the way to go.
0: Yeah, my personal take on this space is that um, Web3 and in general, blockchain technology do have very specific use case of application where they are really useful to solve a problem. Like one is when you, uh, when you have many many players, and you need a single source of truth that manage everything in a very transparent way. So we know it finance, but also you know, when it comes to regulation, when it comes to voting, for example, for election. So I see they're working really, really well. And of course, maybe like in companies where there are a lot of processes in place, uh, supply chain, for example. So you have many, many suppliers to coordinate all that part. And the community aspect, of course, which is the one that, that you mentioned. For all the rest... I'm still struggling to find the other aspect in which blockchain, the use of blockchain is not just a buzzword or a marketing stunt, but actually solves a real problem or really brings an added value.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And I just speak to like NFT projects or speak about NFT projects, and I see that they are struggling right now if they don't have a business model. And that's what I really hope for the future, that maybe there's the term NFT is like, Gone and we use really the
0: technology as we do with the digital access pass. I'm very curious about how you intend to evolve the community and this relationship that you have with them. For example, what happens if you put something to vote and you don't necessarily agree with what the community has voted on? That's too bad for you.
1: (laughs) Well, actually there was there I believe there was some decision I don't really like for example the label i was more for the pink one and the community was like no we like that one and okay then we take that one you know it's like in the end you have to decide is it is it your ego or is it like the community and in the end you have to also as a
0: founder and especially as a founder you have to step aside aside your ego and build products the way that you think about them about your community is it more like uh A group of customers, uh, that it's your internal clock, alarm clock uh, to vet specific product related things, because the things that you mentioned are really related to design, the packaging, the labels, the name, uh, to make products that are more appealing for your user base. Or do you intend to leverage your community as a shareholder of your project, meaning uh, taking uh, business decisions alongside you, for example, Should we expand our line into male supplements or should we we go beyond supplements and maybe create other type of products, merch, I don't know. But then like even more complex one, like should we do another fundraising or should we bootstrap like economic type of decisions, let's say.
1: Right now, our decision-making process is more on the product side, but because we are early and we really want to build the first product for our community, and that's why we also said, okay, label, packaging, name, and stuff. But we already expanded our product palette into Intimate Care line, which we didn't ask our community, but they could decide on packaging and stuff. So right now it's more on the product side, as I said, but I personally... Think about my community as owners of the company because they also get a success participation, which we are setting up right now. But in the future, I think it depends a little bit on how we structure our company in the future and how big we will be getting with the community aspect and how, my, how many people really want to have such strong votings. Because I also see, because we were in discussions, do we create a DAO or do we only use voting only use voting rights? And while we were going into a DAO, I really saw that some people don't like to take really big decisions. They like to say, "Yes, I like A more than B," but not okay. I come up with a new idea. Mm-hmm. You know, Is that does that make sense? <laughs> So therefore, we decided to do only voting rights to say, hey, we can act quick and fast and also include our community.
0: So I want to circle back to the conversation that we were having off camera. And uh, we were talking about networking and going to Web3 uh, events, uh, crypto events. What is the, the secret of building a network in this space?
1: I believe
0: talking to people
1: and not being afraid to ask questions. Because when I started one year ago, I wasn't at all in the networking area of web3 people <laughs> so i i remember that i wanted to talk to a woman in web3 and then i googled in linkedin or i googled in linkedin as it word, you know what i mean i typed i typed web3 nfts and i don't know female in linkedin and then there were three names in germany and then i wrote to to one person and she didn't reply and then i met her <laughs> in lisbon actually and then we talked and then and then how like I talked to many, many, many people, and then I started to grow my network. So I think you – I'm not that extrovert, actually. I really had to learn that. So you have to talk to many people. You have to find a way to network. And what we did, actually – is we had a special way of approaching conferences we had like a tailor-made suit which is a pink suit with vibrators on it and condoms and our logo and this is how we went to conferences and this is actually (laughs) how you will get approached you know so we didn't have to go anywhere we were just standing there and everyone was like oh my god can I take a picture of your suit and you and I'm like okay yeah of course and then that's how you connect you know and that was actually amazing now we the, the suit is in our in, in our in our in our dresser and we are more confident and serious but that's how we how we started actually so we really want to do career marketing with, with the sex topic and I think this also helps so talking about sex is something it's a sexy business you know.
0: So for everyone listening that wants to get into the Web3 space and network, et cetera, buy a pink suit.
1: Yeah, that maybe yeah. It really helps. Yeah, because yeah. everything is dark and black and stuff. So yeah, that helps. And But in all the Unserious, you have to be open and you have to get out there and go to events and meet people. And don't be afraid to ask questions because I think the Web3 space is really, really open. Everyone really likes to get to know you, learn from you, and talk to you
0: because there are not that many people in there, you know? And this brings us actually to the end of the, of the interview. Vanessa, thank you so much for, for being here and uh, for being a guest on the show. I very much enjoyed this very free flow type of conversation that we had.
1: Me too. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: And uh, <laughs> for those who listen, see you next week. Bye. That's all from today's episode. Thank you so much for watching or listening. If you find this episode valuable, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel or to the Polyweb podcast on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. It would be fantastic if you could leave us a rating, a review, or a comment, as this really helps other listeners find the show. All the resources mentioned in this episode will be linked in the description and in the show notes. See you on the next episode. And if you cannot wait until next week, you can watch this episode right here that relates to some of the things that we talk about in this episode. Bye.